When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Well, hello. Hey, Louie. Hey, how are we doing today? How you doing? I'm pretty good. And you? I'm doing good. Good. All uh, right. I just want to say welcome to the show again. Well, thank you very much. Happy. I had so much fun yesterday. I decided to, you know what? Let's do this again. I was bored all day looking at <laughs> Google ads and trying to understand how to market shit. Um, so it's <laughs> it was a very long screen day. So it feels good to talk to some to someone again. Thank you. Man, I really do appreciate you being back on the show again, and I just want to say this. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. Once again, we actually have Louis the French Monet. Now, okay, no, no, right? no, the Frenchie. Frenchie. And Monet. my my last name, uh, think of the Simpsons character Mo, the bar guy. Mo. And okay. a fishnet, so Monet. Monet. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking French, so I was thinking Monet, so for it's- some reason. Close enough. Apparently, we are descendants of Monet in a very large, large scheme. Uh, we're okay. all interconnected, but no, not quite. Okay. I, I have no pain okay. skills. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about our top 10 sci-fi movies. I'm excited about this mm-hmm. and everything. And I just want to get you to go on ahead, open up. What's your number 10? All right. List? Um. This list, first of all, will probably show my age, <laughs> what affected me in sci-fi. But um, my first pick would be the very low-key, human-driven sci-fi called Gattaca. Ah, uh, okay, I remember that. Uh, for me, Eaton Hawk was just amazing. Human um, Thurman was beyond beautiful and beyond talented in that movie and i forgot the other guy's name um mr ripley uh jude law okay uh jude law was uh a very nuanced and interesting character and just the whole movie itself the concept of genetically modifying people and what if you're not one of them right you have no no hope no future because you're natural so it's such an interesting concept most definitely. The originality behind that film is just phenomenal. I love what they did with that. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. Uh, do I go to number 10, uh, number 9, or you go to number uh, 10? I'll go to my number 10 now. All right. So what I picked out was Event Horizon. Oh, okay. You're going horror. Yeah. All right. Mine's going to be a mixture of horror, mixing with maybe with some action adventure stuff and things like that. So I'm going a little bit around the world all right <laughs> so you know i love this film first of all i love sam neil you have jody uh jolie richardson in this Ma- lawrence fishborn is in this movie mm. uh jason isaacs this movie has an all-out cast and everything and i remember going into the movie theaters as a maybe i think i want to say maybe i was like maybe 11 or 12 at the time when i saw this oh movie. you were young okay yeah, I was young <laughs> whenever I saw this movie. 
And I want to say maybe 13 because it was in 97 when this was released. Mm, mm. So, so what I loved about this was the event horizon, whenever a spacecraft that vanished years earlier suddenly reappears. Mm. I love that whole entire mystery of how it just reappears again. And then you're wondering what exactly happened on this spacecraft carrier that actually went missing. What was the whole entire thing of that mystery element? Yeah, it was because we don't often get like space horrors, right? You got aliens, you got uh, some I can't get uh, top of my head, but they're very rare and few apart. So one one comes out. Uh, I remember I've never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, I was pretty young. My mom wouldn't let me, but it was still a unique experience. It looked devilish. It looked sci-fi and it looked really violent. Uh, so yeah, and right, and you know what else I liked about this was the chemistry between the the actors and actresses in this mm. film, and then also too, you know, you have the you actually have this crew that's actually backstabbing each other too, and there's just something that's deep within its own self where they're backstabbing each other, they're arguing amongst each other, they're, you know, they're just tearing each other apart from limb from limb pretty much because they can't trust each other it's like having cabin fever pretty much mm. if you think about it but in space yeah no no it's it's, it's a very there's a lot of uh, psychology and layers into it put in a package of a sci-fi right right that's what i loved about it was the psychology element of it like you mentioned mm. Because this is actually an original film that we got in 1997, opposed to what we have now, where we have a bunch of sequels, prequels, and yeah, we have some original films, but we have those big blockbusters, like you mentioned last night, and those franchises. Mm. So for them to actually put out something fresh in 97 like this, it, I was thrilled to actually be a part of that. Yeah, and I, I hope eventually we'll see another movie like this. Not necessarily, I don't want to see a remake. But have it inspired right. by that and and even create a bit of a mythology uh, behind the, the, the idea itself because it's not an idea we saw often personally. Uh, so take that and expand it by putting original twists. I would love to see a movie like that. Same here as well. Um, let's see, did you want to go deeper into it or did you want to go on ahead? And oh, I'm going to go uh, to, to my number nine. Um, my list is a okay. bit more cerebral, I think, except for a couple exceptions, especially my, my top three. Uh, my next one is Moon. Uh, I haven't oh, seen that one. Um, a very, <laughs> how can I say this? It's cerebral. It's a very slow pace. It's a minimalistic movie in a sense that you have just like two, like, well, just uh, the main character as the one character in the movie, Sam Rockwell. You got a machine voiced by by Kevin Spacey, and that's about it. And it's the most enticing, mind-bending experience I've had in a long time, done in a very poetically elegant way. Oh, nice. I uh, can go in deeper with some of the scenes and everything that you really love from it, because that's what I love um, hearing, too. I love hearing what you love. Oh, well, in that case, I shouldn't have smoked the joint. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, give me a second here. Uh, there, there is it's a okay. couple like it, it might seem mundane, but it's the times that he's like arguing with a robot at the beginning, like the, the, the robot is there for his morale type of thing. And he has like a, a sticker <laughs> face on his, uh, his body of a smiley face. 
but there's an interaction like he's annoyed with him and the the robot just keeps giving like answers to annoy him even more without realizing it so that mundane scene is incredible but the shots that were um putting the moon into um into perspective on the screen was amazing the uh, animation not animation but the graphics looks very realistic for, for a low, low uh-huh. budget and it's just beautiful it's a scenery wow i'm gonna have to check that one out because really i haven't seen that movie at all but it's very slow paced right it's like not as slow as 2001 but it has very long moments so it's it's something you have to appreciate uh and and sit back all right my question Mm. is this like i love the conjuring Mm -hmm. franchise because of the slow pacing so does it set up kind of like a conjuring, but in a space kind of level where it actually has a slow pacing for a reason? Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it when it picks up, it picks up. But I'd say it's pretty relaxed in the first 30 to 40, well, maybe 30 minutes uh, to 40 minutes. It's not a long, long, long movie either. Uh, but when things are starting to make sense, uh, the concept is something we saw before, but treated in a way that, is so unique to itself. So it's slow, but it there's a pay at the end. Okay. Like I'm gonna definitely have to check All that right. one out. Because I love like I said, I love slow pacing <clears throat> movies. I love stuff like that that it builds and then once that tension is released, that's it. So I'm gonna check that nice. out. Nice. So my next film is a Steven Spielberg uh-huh. film. And that is Ready Player One. Okay. I didn't like it. I, I, you know what? You're not the only person that told me that either, because of the fact of the book oh. and everything, and because they didn't have all the rights to the uh, to the stuff that they actually had. I, I so don't. I never read the book. I really don't care. But I just didn't find it was a good, uh, well constructed right. movie. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But you see, I think it more gravitates towards me a little bit because I'm a gamer mm. per se. Because I like playing. So maybe because of that. Maybe that might actually be why I loved it. But a lot of my friends that read the book, and I read my I read the book too, they had a problem with it because of the fact that, you know, they didn't have the rights to certain uh, genres within the hmm. book itself. Like, they didn't have key elements like uh, some of the stuff that was actually mentioned. So, therefore, they actually had to go in and actually add in some stuff that uh, the company actually has rights hmm. to. So my thing is this. I love the originality behind something where this one person lives behind a video game. And once he comes out of it, it's back to reality again. Because, he, because you know, you have a character <clears throat> that just wants to forget about everything, live in this world forever. And he doesn't care about anything that's on the outside world mm. or anything like that. So basically, it's like us looking for entertainment and trying to forget the outside world for a while and forget about the world and chaos that surrounds us. So his way of actually getting away from everything is him just playing video games, doing the VR. And I just thought it was just stunning. The only problem that I had with it, and and the character's not even in the book, but they just added in the female role of the villain when rather they should just go ahead and add in Mm. just the guy. Because I believe that he was just the most menacing person of IOI. Okay. And everything because he just has that way of about him where, you know, 
he wanted to take over everything and have those keys mm. for himself. So I love the fact that they actually had the power play within that cell, that thing. But I really didn't care for the female villain. But other than that, though, I really enjoyed it for what it was. I had a good time with it. Walked out entertained and everything. And also, too, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. So them to have the shining mm. in that, you know, that's something that I geek yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, I can understand where, where you're coming from, definitely. Uh, it's and I'm a gamer, but not a hardcore gamer. So maybe that's why it didn't grab me right. as much. But uh, the in- the story was interesting. I, I found it was, um, you know, very established, uh, very nuanced. And I like a lot of the pop uh, references. The thing that got to me, though, right. is the graphics. Something about the overall aesthetic of the movie just makes me not interested <laughs> in it. It's like when, we, um, when I watched that movie, well, what's his name? Uh, the guy who played in the second reboot of uh, Spider-Man, he played Harry Osborn and uh, Clara Delevingne. Oh, I don't... Okay. I know uh, yeah, I, I forgot the, the name movie, but it's a, a bit the same effect. It was interesting, but after a while, the visuals just... I didn't give a crap because I was so out of it, you know? If they would have kept... If they would have went more right. of an aesthetic of Tron, let's say, uh, more like less vibrant and more like a bit somber and something more like technological i probably would have got into it more but as is eh. right i can definitely see why though i mean seriously and not only that but sometimes too much cgi also will mm-hmm. take you out of the film too so i think that might have also played a key role in that yeah too, I'm, though, most maybe. definitely it's and me it's pretty much like it's instant connect or not and even in the trailer i was like eh, this seems a bit busy and yeah, and it turned out to be uh, my instincts were right on how I was going to feel about the movie because when I watched it, I, I zoned in, zoned out so many times. Right, I can definitely right. see that, man. But uh, my, what's your number? My number eight is that we're going now. We're going to popcorn for this one. Uh, Star Trek: First Contact. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, for me, the best Star Trek movie for either new ones or old ones. It's uh, it's one of the ones I remember when I was young. The first Star Trek movie I probably watched, and something about the overall uh, overall feel of the movie just feels so complete and putting forefront probably one of the best Star Trek villains, which is the Borg, and really. Uh, how can I say this? Dive into the, in the emotion of it, the stress, the PTSD of uh, of Captain Picard relating to the Borg is such an interesting concept because it's not something they really, they really, yes, they push a bit in the series, but not as deep. This one, they really show the the, the weight that is on a captain of a starship, and for me, that was priceless. Exactly, and you know what though? Back in the those times, like in the nineteen 19- uh, not in '96, they didn't really cover PTSD that much in film. If you think about mm-hmm. it, it's just mm-hmm. now coming to light uh, in the late 2000s and everything about all the PTSD and stuff. And for them to actually cover that in a Star Trek film and the weight of the whole entire thing as a captain was really great for that movie. Mm-hmm. I really have to say that is something that I really enjoyed from that element that we haven't seen before. And for me, the board queen is just badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about that, like it, that, that, that made a, uh, that burned an image in my head. First time I saw her going down 
uh, like floating down with her spine and attaching to her body. That was such a cool concept uh, that, you know, I would wish, uh, I would wish the newer Star Treks dive more into Borg just for that scene. There's so much things you can do with the queen and how she works. I agree with you. I don't understand why, you know, J.J. Abrams didn't dive into that because I think he would have actually delivered that a lot better. You know? Yeah, but he probably would have ruined it. If he, I don't True. think he he understand he has to create his own stuff and species because he didn't probably doesn't understand that well the current species personally. Um, so no, I don't think it, it, it would have worked. They're, they did it in the TV show, uh, the Picard, right? Uh, but even then, it wasn't pushed as much as I wanted them to be. It's like they didn't push the envelope enough for you, right? Not in new in the new ones, no, not at all. It's it was good but disappointing. Wow, I wish that they would actually put those layers that they actually needed into that. Then because you know I was excited whenever I heard about Picard, and then uh, you know I heard like mixed reviews about it. And one of the things that you just mentioned is why I was even interested in Picard, and to know that it was kind of not pushing where it needed to be pushed. How can I say this? It doesn't push the mythology of the Borg. It pushes how it is to be after being a Borg and trying to relive your life. They explored that, though. But it's the Borg are not the main forefront. It's just like the driving narrative of the story. But there's something even more important that I won't get into it if you haven't seen it. Okay. So that was the problem. It wasn't focused mainly on the Borg. And that's what I was kind of hoping. Right. It's kind of like the Borg kind of took like a back seat and then... Picard comes in and just goes on ahead and takes over, pretty much. Yeah, well, again, I, I can't spoil the, the... There's a character that needs help from Picard, and the, the main focus is on the new character. Okay. Um, so, and that's related to someone he knew in the past. Uh, so that it was an interesting concept, but again, let's we digress. Let's go back to the, the movie itself. Okay, for, good. Okay. For <laughs> me, uh, there's also... The comedy in it was just perfect. Like the scenes on uh, in in the Earth with the uh, with Cochrane, he's not what they expected. He's a drunk. He you know he can barely hold anything together, uh, and them being like a bit shattered, don't be your heroes type of thing was just perfect comedy, um, perfect levity to the seriousness and the, the the angst of the whole movie. Most definitely, I love the comedy within that uh, film as well. Mm. So I thought that was really good. Um. What about your there, What about your number uh, seven? My, my number seven is gonna be or a quiet place. Well, number eight would be a quiet place. Oh, okay. And oh, okay. And I know I talk about this movie like all the time whenever I'm talking about like original films, but you can't help but talk about this film because hmm. I really loved it because of the fact of the originality behind it, and I love a good original film because of this. Hmm. there's hardly any dialogue even though there's not any dialogue in it if you look at the way the characters of emily blunt is looking at her husband and the way that they're going off of each other just by looking at each other and staring at each other hmm. and trying to survive this nightmarish thing with the aliens and everything and it's like okay if i the, they're signaling each other you're on the edge of your seat you're afraid to move you don't want to breathe hmm. then you also have the daughter who's also deaf in real life who's also uh, playing a character that's deaf on the film. Mm. And that's even more horrifying because she can't hear anything. Mm. So, uh, and then you also have 
the whole entire thing too, where they live on this farm, and then she's also Emily Blunt's character is also pregnant. So it's like, oh my god, what are they going to do about this? How are they going to survive this? Hmm. And it's like they thought of every single thing that we would actually be panicking about, and they actually used everything that in a way that was actually smart. I love sci-fi films where it makes us think and actually make us feel smart. Mm. And I feel like this film actually made it made me made it a lot smart. But what do you think? Uh, I only seen it once. I remember though because it's the the only horror movie my not only but the rare horror movies my girlfriend actually like survived or suspense horror. <laughs> she she definitely can't handle that usually. Uh, so that kind of marked me. But at the same time, uh, I remember have the chemistry between the two main characters were off the bat. And it is, um, if if I can be so bold, an almost perfectly written uh, movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much what goes what you what you say. Every beat has a reason. Every scene has a reason. Uh, and I just... It never bores out like certain like movies. You would think no, uh, there's almost no talking is going to be a boring movie, uh, but they chose moments of relaxation and they chose moments of high intense emotion, just perfect. There was not too much of one, too much of the other. You know, it was very uh, middle ground. Exactly, and that's what I liked about it. And then also too, the love and the love that the father has for his children. And the links that he would go through for his children is what I loved about it too. Because mm. it's like a love story for his kids, because in a sense, because he loves his kids and he'll do just about anything he can for his kids. In a sense, yeah, no, true. It's a it, it, it's a story about many things, right? About survival, mm. about adapting to new circumstances, about family, uh, about accepting your death. Uh, so. There's a lot of messages, but the, I do remember the like family or the father aspect of it being very um, emotional. And uh, I rem- I think, if I'm not mistaken, I actually cried during like, a couple of the family scenes, especially one specifically. Same here as well. I remember crying during maybe two or three of the scenes. And it is a tearjerker, no, no lie. Hmm. So... What's your number seven? All right, we're uh, we're going uh, in the eighties. We're going Japanese Akira. Oh wow, I haven't seen that either. Oh, so you're introduced. All right. Oh wow. Okay, <laughs> Akira is, if I can say one word, an ex- well, two mm-hmm. words, an experience. The story might not make sense the first time around. But you cannot not be focused on it. It's so hypnotizing. If Even though you're not really understanding uh, maybe your first time through what the story is, everything's happening and it's so weird. It's so unusual that you just need to know more. And that's how I start watching it like almost like three times a year. Now I get the movie. But it's... It's an experience like you've I've never had, uh, especially in an animation. It's probably one one of my first animations. At the time, I knew like Pokemon and you know, uh, full disclosure, Sailor Moon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then having that kind of shock, I wasn't used to something serious. And it's not gory per se; it's shocking uh, and very odd style choices that 
bizarrely shouldn't work, but they definitely work for this movie. What's the plot line on this? I'm just kind of curious. Okay, um, they are there's an event that happens, uh, and well, you know, what? I'll just read the the IMDb. It's going to be a bit more uh, <laughs> a secret military uh, project endangers New York, Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a, right, a rampaging psychotic psych- psychopath who can only, only be stopped by two teen- teenagers and a group of physics. Uh, so um, psychics, right? So the main character has an accident. He was exposed uh, to someone or something that starts changing his personality. And he's slowly losing himself into something else. And is nearly like destroying part of the city. And uh, the scientists and his friends that were with him in the accident try to save him. Uh, it's, it's a very nuanced, this is a very general description, but it's a very nuanced movie. Okay. Uh what are some of the good, favorite scenes in that one, though? Too okay. Um, the one of the original, like the the beginning uh, parts, where they're on motorcycles. This movie's in the eighties, but it holds up. Like the um, the art, like the colors seem a bit old, but the art design, especially on the bikes and the chase scenes, are something that could stand up to today's. Um, today's standards in my opinion just updated color would would be necessary uh the other shocking and memorable moments is the end i can't say much if you haven't seen it but the ending is so unexpected and makes you scratch your head but in a good way not like like what's going on okay i can't take this anymore shuts off this is too weird it's like oh my god this is so weird and i have to understand this so you, i i started doing research on internet and, and uh, reading articles to really understand what that was right so that makes it even better for the movie okay i'm gonna have to check that one out too they're introducing me to a lot of <laughs> ones that i haven't heard before so i'm glad I, this is what i love about doing top 10 list because I can actually watch something new mm. and everything mm. that I haven't heard before. So I'm glad that we're doing this. Um, for my number seven, I've got the fly, the one with Ooh, Jeff Goldblum. That almost, that was like uh, number 13. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you know what, you know how you said that you love the element of something turning someone into something yeah. else. That's what I loved about this. You have like a human being who's a scientist. Jeff Goldblum has it all. The Mm. looks, the charm, everything. Mm. And he creates this machine that can actually clone Mm. you. And it turns them into the fly. And it turns them into this, this being. This horrible, horrifying being. And the I love the makeup and everything, the effects on it and everything. It's all practical. There's no CGI, of course, because it's the 80s. But that's what I loved about it was the fact that it was something so horrifying, something horrific that happens to this guy who has everything. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, he just – overnight, he winds up turning into this horrifying creature, the fly, even though it's taking him day by day with the mood changes – is taking him, taking his whole entire body over, and everything, and he tur- and I just and I I love this film. Yeah, it's such a it's a body horror. Um, 
the actor fits the character. I'm like Jeff Goldblum knows like- how to choose his roles. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the 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 transformation and the the psychology, the evolution of the psychology of the character is so interesting because at first there's he's scared, he's in denial. But at one point he just kind of accepts what he is and embraces that nature of a, a human fly now that I find so cool because it's a monster movie with brains. It's not just a monster movie to, to scare you. Uh, it's a very intelligent movie, but the end is mm-hmm. essentially a monster movie. Most definitely. And like you said, the psychology behind it, then Jeff Goldblum coming to the realization, mm. hey, look, I'm just going to go ahead and grow into this thing because this thing is just taking over my mind, my body, and my whole entire mm. life. So I might as well adapt mm. to it. And it's smart. It's really critical thinking smart. And that's what I love about the fly. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and also, the, oh, I can see this. The special effects are outdated, but still respectful. Um, like not re- respectful, but I can respect what the 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 did. Like it's the equivalent of watching the thing, right? It's you can see it's animatronics, but it's so well done that you kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. You you know it's kind of fake. Definitely, you can definitely tell that's kind of fake, especially with the arm wrestling yeah. that they do. <laughs> because they love that gore. They love the arms popping off in the 1980s, mm. like, for instance, with uh, Dream Warrior or Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That's Nightmare. just an example. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though. Ba- basically, in the 80s, they loved throwing that at you where the arms are getting ripped mm. off. And that's exactly what they did with this. So, what's your number seven? Um, uh, my number six, you mean, and th- yeah, that yeah, would be six. 2006's Children of Men. I haven't seen that. All much. right, we're gonna. All right, there's a lot of movies <laughs> we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give you a list. Uh, Children of Men uh, yeah. is a happy accident in my end. I was going to the see the movies with one of my friends, going to go see Pan's Labyrinth, and we. Went and it was fun, but I was kind of let down. And uh, one time, I just turned to my friend like, "Hey, when I see this movie, we had no clue what it was. I just poster looked interesting. We're already here, might as well." And went in to see the movie, went out my mind blown. And the story is pretty simple. At a certain day and age, um, a certain day and age of humanity, women can't reproduce at all. Uh, and oh, wow. society is slowly crumbling, uh, and it's kind of echoing right now, like the, the the rich and the poor, black, white race, and everything. But said in UK, uh, people get arrested for being a certain nationality. Um, people are violent and so self driven because this is like the last generation that's ever going to survive, or the, their kids are doomed. You know, and what happens if the main character? Um, gets himself accidentally in this movement, a rebellion a bit, and has to protect the first woman that's uh, carrying a child in the, in the last, like, 10 years or so. And she has to escort her to a safe haven in this middle of a war zone. It is mind-blowingly chilling, heart-grabbing, and one of my also favorite performances from Michael Caine. 
Oh wow, I'm definitely gonna have to check oh, it's, this one it's, out. Uh, check your heartbeat, man. There's some tense moments and the best <laughs> one shot scenes I've seen. I don't care about you know, um, like Birdman. Birdman was interesting, and there's a couple like one shot scene movies that are really cool, but they use one shot scenes like there's a couple of scenes in this movie last like around 10 minutes 15 minutes right so it's one long long shot and they use it so perfectly and it serves the narrative so perfectly i wouldn't have seen the scenes any other way and it's the first time i saw a movie do implement those moments so for me i was just mind blown Okay, I'm gonna have to give that one All a right. shot. So uh, I'll be increasing All your right. list uh, <laughs> tenfold apparently tonight. <laughs> okay, just go on and send that in to me. <laughs> um, so my next one I have is Total Recall. Ah, yeah. With with Arnold, not with uh, not the remake. <laughs> no, no, God, so, I, I forgot that existed for a second there, hey boy. I'm sorry, I brought ba- brought up bad memories for you, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but what I you see my favorite uh, my favorite planet is okay. Mars. So when I saw this movie as a kid, because I was maybe maybe eight or nine years old, mm. <laughs> and I saw this movie, and I like the concept where this guy is just getting so tired of the reality of him of this world and everything because of how chaotic it is around him and he decides that maybe total recall might be the right place to go because he can actually pretend that he's somebody Mm. else and you also have sharon stone in it as well that That, like dies in a couple minutes uh, in the movie (laughs) right (laughs) and I love the whole entire concept of where, you know, they actually have to put him in the machine and you're not sure if he's actually going kind of crazy or if he's actually on this adventure or anything like that, because it plays with your mind a little bit. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it does play with your mind because, because one minute he's inside the machine, then the next minute is like, there's complications within the uh, Mm. machine itself. And you're wondering the whole entire time, is he actually being a spy? Is he not a spy? And then all of a sudden, this tr- these people are tracking him, and he has to go through the GPS. Remember with the whole entire taxi mm. cab, too? That was actually pretty cool. Um, you ready? I don't like this movie. Yeah. Nope. You don't? Um, I can appreciate <laughs> it. I You told me, like, you explained certain, uh, certain parts of the movie. I completely forgot, and certain parts I don't even remember. I think I've seen this movie twice. <laughs> I wanted to lo- like it, but nah, there's something that just never grabbed onto me. I remember a couple bits and pieces. The Three Boobs is a freaking classic. Uh, what teenager would remember <laughs> The Three Boobs? Uh, right, but that exactly. being said, like the whole story just never sinked in my head. I have flashes, but that's about it because I just can't get into it. Hey, I understand that, man. That's why oh, yeah. film is subjective, man. I, I appreciate, you know what I'm saying. I respect you. Anyway, so, but so far we haven't know, crisscrossed I, our uh, our lists, and we're pretty different in sci-fi. Right. I love that. Mm. I love that though, um, because we're not the same or anything like that. It gives other people a different viewpoint. So I Most think that's definitely. actually a great thing. All right. Uh, so if I can go on mine, if you don't mind. All yeah, right, yeah, so th- I'm guessing you probably don't haven't seen this either. Uh, it's Equilibrium. 
I heard of it, but I haven't actually had a chance okay. to watch that one. Um, it's very serious. It's very bleak, but badass. Um, Equilibrium uh, came out in 2002. Uh, it was the day and age of like the cheap action movies that had so no substance. Equilibrium is substance with guns. Um, first of all, it's Christian Bale. Uh, Christian Bale is a total badass. Uh, he plays an officer in a dystopia um, not too dissimilar from ours that emotions are illegal. Any forms of feeling are legal. Painting, books, anything that can react emotionally are not uh, no more allowed. And you have to take this medication to stabilize all your emotions. But what happens is um, his partner at the beginning of the movie is reading a book and knowing that he's going to get found by uh, Christian Bale. And Christian Bale has no choice but to kill him. But that affects him psychologically that he's starting to doubt everything and start stop taking his medication and has to stay incognito like with a society of no emotions but feeling your emotions for the first time of your life and the action scenes are so well choreographed they invented what they what now they call gun fu which is kung fu with guns yeah and oh, it's wow. done such a manner that it's it's the only term you can say is badass. It's a bit what uh, made how John Wick made me feel for the first time. It's the first time I felt in equilibrium. Uh, how are the stunts worked out? I mean, I bet the That's stunts the have thing. to be phenomenal. It's not uber choreographed. There's moments he, he there's soldier, soldiers that surround him, and he's in the middle, and he shoots everyone, but done in a way that you can actually believe that this guy can shoot 30 people in like less than 30 seconds. It's that well choreographed. He's not moving. He's standing still, but it's so realistic that you just, your mind just accepts it and just says, Whoa, that was badass." I'm going to have to check that one out for sure, because you got me where I'm thinking of shoot him up because it came out during that Mm. same kind of time period in a way. So, I'm thinking of shoot 'em up mixed in with a little bit of sci-fi. Okay, here and um, this is gonna be a weird analogy, but the best way also I can describe this movie, it has a Shakespearean vibe with sci-fi violence. The seriousness, the 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 the, the oh, epicness wow. of it, the the story itself feels very Shakespearean, uh, Shakespearean, very grandiose, but sent a very re- uh, restricted view. It's amazing. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out then because that's going to be <laughs> I'll just send you my. <laughs> you know what? You know what, man? I'm not even going to be available next week. I'm going to be binging all, right, all your all right, stuff. Bro, if you want, <laughs> we can we can Zoom it together and watch together, bro. Um, all, all right. right. Uh, now, uh, what's yours? Mine would be Demolition, uh, Demolition man. man, you mean? With. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Demolition Man. With Sylvester Stallone and okay. Wesley Snipes. And what I loved about this film was, you know, you have a character like Sylvester Stallone that is used to taking out the bad guy and saving a bunch of people in this building. And then the bad guy winds up being kind of like a Riddler kind of way to where, um, if you think about it, he's kind of like the Riddler because of the fact that... Um, He's playing mind games with mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone's character in a way. 
And to the point where Sylvester Stallone, yeah, he winds up saving a couple of the hostages and takes Wesley Snipes' character out and everything, arrests him. But at the same time, all of a sudden, the bomb goes off and there's people that was in that building and they die. And then he's sentenced to being frozen for over Mm. 20 years, I believe. But, and I love that whole entire concept where you have a guy that's frozen in time, then you have to unfreeze him to try and take down a guy that um, was really villainous at the very beginning of his time. And they have to go ahead and try and track track him down, track down Wesley Snipes' character. And what I thought that was funny was the whole entire mm-hmm, violation, mm-hmm. whenever he cusses. I love that. Yeah. That part made me laugh. Uh, I, I enjoyed this movie. It's probably my top 20. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of memorable moments and very quotable moments as well. Uh, and for me, I think the best moments of uh, of the movie itself is anything related to Taco Bell. I did. Th- those scenes always come back to me. Oh, <laughs> Same here as well. You know, like every time I eat at Taco Bell, I'm like, okay, is this going to be it? Is there going to be a fancy restaurant later on? No. In the to where I have to actually uh, make you, a restaurant. You never know, especially with the number of uh, restaurants that are going to survive uh, <laughs> this uh, this crisis. There's not going to be uh, a lot left, to be honest. So you never know. That's true. Uh, and I also remember, like, so. uh, it's something I used, used to, you know, perceive when I was younger, but didn't really put the right words to it but since i'm young uh, i've been fascinated with cinematography like the this actual you know lighting and camera work and i remember being uh, when i was young very enticed with the way it was shot the coloring of the movie the the shadows the the Mm. the way they exposed the 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 villain in with the lights and everything it was so captivating uh, I didn't fully understand the first time the story, but I remember being like, "What is what? What am I watching?" You know, right? And that's what I liked about it too was the cinematography behind that too, because of the lighting and the darkness of it, this apocalyptic kind of world. Then you have people that's living underneath you mm-hmm. that's trying to survive as well. I, it kind of remind me. It kind of had like a Mad Max Fury Road type of feel mm-hmm. to it. Whenever mm-hmm. you have those people mm-hmm. living underneath the world. And that's what grabbed me, grabbed mm. my attention even more. Yeah, go ahead. And then, well, then you have Sandra Bullock, in which the I film forgot. Too, True. Which is, <laughs> and at that time, she wasn't the serious actress or anything like that. She was just starting out, kind of, too, trying to get that a feel of what she speed, wants to huh? do. Yeah. Okay. True. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So I really have to say that's what I loved about the chemistry between Sylvester Stallone and her. But tell me what you're gonna say. I know that you're gonna uh, add no, something. No, not really. Uh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna talk about like um, Schwarzenegger himself. It's not his best performance, though. One thing I have to say, um, he felt like he was just rehashing a bit the other roles he was doing. There's like, is it, I find it was a bit generic, but. It's still Arnold, so he's still so enjoyable to watch, even though it's not his best performance. There's something about this guy that even if he's bad or not fully in tuned, he doesn't feel like um, uh, Bruce Willis, you know, <laughs> like after a while, he's just like get off screen, you know. But with him, even if it's not that good, right? I don't know if it's the accent or just his presence, but you just have to fall in love with it, anyways, you know. 
Exactly, because it's like he becomes that character. He's not like playing Sylvester mm. Stallone as St- Sylvester Stallone. You know what I mean? Like Bruce Willis is playing a carbon copy of himself. Yeah, I said, uh, I said Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I meant so. Little, no, no, it's okay. But go on ahead and tell uh, me what your number five what's is. on the list? Uh, no, actually, my number four uh, is... And I'm Number guessing four. probably you haven't heard of this movie either, but you never know. Dark City, 1998. I yes. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, I remember going to block. I remember going to blockbuster. This movie is sick. Movie. <laughs> um. Okay. Most definitely. Yeah, it's, it's been years since I've it's seen a it. mind bend because I don't know what I just rented it as well. Like it's actually my best friends that I want this movie and I kind of like um whined a bit like I wanted something else, but we ended up renting it. And it's this atmosphere, it feels like almost like a Tim Burton movie in a sense, you know? Uh and it's from the guy Most who definitely. did uh what call it? It's Alex Proyas who did the crow. So he knows how to do very dark, right? But the story and the twists and turns and the creatures and the sci-fi element just meshes so well. And they added an extra layer of like a noir movies from the 50s. There's like almost this detective feel to it that it's so odd that it meshes well together, but it does. It does match up together and everything, and it does have that. I think that's what attracted me to it. Because don't forget, during those '90s times, uh, Tim Burton was into the whole entire mm-hmm. gothic darkness look to it, and that's what attracted me to Dark City. Was it had mm-hmm. that Tim Burton mm-hmm. type of feel, type of flavor to it, you know? And it it was an original story. It was it had good chemistry with the actors and actresses. The plot was really good. Yeah, and like the performances from you know Kiefer Sutherland, you know Jennifer Connelly, William Hurt, and the main character was—it's not someone you see often casted as the main character, but Rufus uh, Sewell from um, that ah uh, oh, that um, jousting movie um, with uh, the. I'm sorry. Nights too. Yeah, Night's Tale. Uh, Night's he Tale was the villain that? in Night's Tale, right? So he's us- usually playing these villain evil looking type of people but to see him as the main hero let's say was such a interesting anti-casting as something that shouldn't fit if you're going for stereotypical what he did in the past but fits so well because he he plays mysterious very well most definitely and you don't even expect that you know and that's what I loved about it was he brought a layer to something that we haven't mm-hmm. seen before, especially in that time. Because usually characters mm-hmm. from that time is like a one-note character, mm-hmm. paint by the numbers kind of thing. And to him to actually deliver like that um, was just On my phenomenal. end, my favorite scene is when you the first time you see everyone freeze. For me, th- that was such a, a ha-ha oh, moment yeah. of, I'm going to love this movie. There's something so odd, but so enticing. For me, it was mostly the darkness of it that attracted me. The lighting, the mm-hmm. uh, and like you mentioned before, with the cinematography mm-hmm. is what attracted me to it. You know, and 
in Manfred, that's actually why I was attracted to the, the movie The Crow, was because of that darkness and those dark tones. So with that, I'm also attracted no, to yeah, it in it's, that um, same kind of way. It, it's a visual that you don't see often, but uh, when, you, when you get a movie that looks like that and you're a fan of that kind of aesthetics, you gravitate towards it like, uh, like uh, Mazda to light, you know? Um, as Most well, definitely. for me, one thing that I really augmented the, the enjoyment of the movie is one particular scene. When he realizes, and again, for those who haven't seen it, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil something, but for me, this is important. Um, he, he realizes that he's never seen daytime. And that moment, like, That's right. kind of sparked in my head. Like, it gave me a feeling of, of like, shock and starting to put the, 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 the puzzle uh, together slowly by slowly. For me, having that moment in that movie is not something I experience often. And when I got it, it for me blew my mind. Same here as well, mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that was expected, you know. And usually I'm good at solving puzzles and stuff like mm-hmm. that whenever it comes down to sci-fi stuff. But with that, it just kept me on the edge of my seat mm-hmm. to where, you know, yeah, what's I'm, like, next? I'm not expecting this. What's next? You know, I yeah. wasn't expecting yeah. that. Right, exactly. All right. Uh, so I'm I'm happy we're, uh, we found common ground on this list. Uh that being said, what's your number four, sir? <laughs> my number four would be Donnie. Oh, beautiful Darko. choice. That, that even crossed my mind, but that should have been my top ten. Beautiful choice. I love this movie, man. And mm. it's just like the darkness, everything mm. about it, the dark tones of this film. And, you know, it makes you wonder, too, because presidential elections of 1988 and a teenager named Donnie Darko, and here's the thing. Huh. I used to sleepwalk as a kid. So when I'm <laughs> so as I'm seeing this play out in this film, I'm like, okay, so basically I'm wa- watching a movie about mm. myself kind of. And and I really have to say I enjoy this film, the the whole entire concept of this film about a presidential election on in 1988 and and the world will end in 28 days. It's like how do you comprehend that? What do you do in 28 days to try and and as well do like this like movie that, is you know like if you can go on the production side of it, it must have been such an interesting but hard pitch yeah. just to pitch studios because it's so unique and weird and odd to itself. So it 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 must have been very interesting like pitching this and pitching for the actors as well because this is a movie that you you know once accomplished you kind of see the 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 what the director was going for, but just shooting scenes, it must've been weird. Most definitely. And I could just see the pitch. It's like, I have this idea. This kid's going to, it's going to be 1998. And there's, there's going to be 26 days until the end of the world. We're going to have this one kid who sleepwalks. There, there, there's We're going to have an evil bunny that keeps following yeah, there's a him. Bunny. There's something that comes out of his chest. <laughs> it's like, okay, so what drugs are you on? And (laughs) could you use that creativity to something we're asking you to do, you know, and not not come up with weird shit like this? Right. I could see that the executive goes, Killer Bunny. I could see them sleeping and everything going, Killer Bunny. Did this guy have a problem with the Easter Bunny? But that shows, like, the brilliance of of the direction (laughs) of the movie and the overall story arc. It's so well-constructed and plays with 
not just storyline, but plays with your psychology, your expectations, and is so rewarding, gratifying. Right. Even though it it's not concrete, the 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 answers, but concrete enough to make it live in the imaginations of people to be a cult movies, you know. Right, most definitely. All right. Uh, number three, or you're lagging every time. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. Sorry, man. Number three. Right, so I'm, just I, having a good time I'm with usually you. the one doing that. So trust me, I'm not one to judge. I'm just, you know, for once, it's not me. I'm happy. Um, all right. Give me a second here. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen this, uh, my heart's going to be broken. Uh, it's the original Stargate. Okay, do you like it? I've seen it. Okay, okay. Now I've we're on page it. here. Um, <laughs> I, it's what was one of my uh, f- uh, my mom's favorite movies, and kind of one of the gateways to sci-fi was Stargate. Uh, there's something so beautifully written, written, and such a good use of imagination when it comes to the mythologies of the Egyptians and and infusing it with uh, sci-fi. Uh, even though there's certain things that got changed after in the TV series, still the original thought of like a symbiote uh, controlling and have, taking on a host and and the characters of like the military and uh, the, the the overall world building for me just sets it apart the from a lot of uh, sci-fi movies. And so it's one of those movies that is often forgotten and often, you know, dismissed on list of best sci-fis but it spawned a whole branch of like of shows and it, its own world right it, it, it it's definitely an untapped uh, right. source of uh, of stories if a studio wants to buy that uh, that license one day they can definitely do something with stargate in the future most definitely i remember oh, there's, when there's sci-fi like tried to do a tv, TV show shows, bro. and right Right. Uh-huh. But nothing beats the movie, though, in my opinion. And what I fell in love with was this mm. portal and the world that's behind that portal. And you have Egyptians and pyramids and this one world beyond mm. another world kind of thing. And I was, at that time, it evolutionalized what movies are, what sci fi movies are. And it makes you think. Yeah, it makes you think. It makes you, you know wonder it's like there's there's an awe to it right it's um the the main villain how can i say this is not the best he he's interesting he serves a purpose but i have to say it for me kurt russell it's he's just perfect in this movie there's something about his swag there's something about his you know i can believe him being in a special forces but he does it with a lot of nuance that a lot of people would have just went like stereotypical one dimensional. He did something with his character that felt very relatable and fleshed out. Most definitely. I felt very yeah. real on the way he fleshed that out, you know? And I really have to say that movie is. I, and also, I, I, I can't forgive myself that if I don't mention this, James Spader is Daniel Jackson. Uh, I love that bubbling fool. Um, He brought the humor to it, but also (laughs) 
he brought the perspective of the audience. He does mm-hmm. not know. He's like, he's not trained for this, right? So he's just a bystander and hope he can help. And you know what? Maybe be stuck on a planet for the rest of his life, you know? So he's a bit nervous, but he discovered it and he has a driving force. So he wants to discover. And that is the the the, the portal for the viewer because you can't really relate to Kurt Russell, you know? Exactly. And I like how they actually brought the comedic part out of that to where it can actually have some light, some liberty to it, to where it's not taking itself a little too serious. Because you actually need to have a character that can actually bring that into it. And I'm yeah, glad and they it's actually a, brought it's that what actor They kind of try to do in Avengers, right? Uh, there's, it's the same type of humor. It's like very quick-witted, intelligent, but very short. It doesn't carry on, right? But Stargate, I find personally... Uh, is flawless when it comes to their beats of, of comedy. There's like not one scene for me that's like, okay, that was not necessary. The comedy was just perfectly ratio, um, in ratio. Mm. All yes, right, definitely. so yours. So let's see. Okay, my next one All is right. going to be that's the my fifth element with Bruce Willis. Awesome. All right. All so right. now we're actually getting on the same page with each other. <laughs> so, okay, I love this movie. Oh, I, and it was something yeah. that was different than what we normally see in the late 90s with the effects. Because if you remember the opening trailer, you see Mila Djokovic in this, in mm. this mummified kind of costume, yep. in a sense. You know what I'm talking about? And she's looking over the city, and then all of a sudden she leaps off of the building. And then she leaps into John mm. into Bruce Willis's car and his taxi cab. And next thing you know, it the cops are after them, they're on the run. And it was a, a fun sci-fi action movie that is in my top ten. No mm. lie. And I actually bought this on Blu-ray. And it's just it, it, to me. On Blu-ray, it enhances the experience. I really have a good time with it. I like the multi-pass part. I loved the chemistry between uh, Mila Jovovich and Bruce Willis, and then Chris Tucker in there to bring the mm. the comedic part into it was really good. And and then you also have, let's see here, the another uh, mm-hmm. guy that I liked was Gary Oldman playing the villain as well, and I thought he did a very good job of playing. Yeah, and Gary yeah. Oldman plays in just about anything and rocks that part. Oh, Chris Tucker, but man. What did you like about that character? Film? Is so obnoxiously awesome and <laughs> made me laugh. And like every time there's gunshots and he would scream like a girl. And it's like he's stuck in this. <laughs> like even the last part, see, like he he has to um, he has to, to to put in the stone into his place. And he's like, covering, 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 Like, he, he's like, they're stuck with him. They have no choice. And he's stuck with them. But he has no choice. Right. There's something, it's, it's just, it's perfect casting, first of all. Uh, but also, the use of the villain. Right. Like, yes, you're talking Gary Oldman. But the ball of fire, which we never really understand what it, that was, for me, it was also very mesmerizing. Uh, having a whole planet type as the main villain, like the Emperor Palpatine of the Dark Vader controlling the situation right. was such a unique idea for me at the time. Uh, and 
I, again, wouldn't forgive myself if I don't mention the opera scene. That scene to this day, I still listen to that song. And I don't, I like, I'm able, I can't sing for shit, but I'm able to go tonatically a bit like what she does, you know? Um, <laughs> something about that opera scene elevates right. the movie that, yes, this is a sci fi action movie, but there's something majestic behind it. Uh, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it has a majesty that you can kind of feel the envelope around it, but it finalizes in that scene that this is elevated. Um, There's moments of beauty, of emotion, and it's a lot more than just, you know, a wannabe 80s movies in the 90s, you know, just trying to shock you with with like sci-fi things. There's a lot of thought into it. Most definitely, and I want to talk about the opera scene because I thought the opera scene was just spot mm. on. It set the tone for what this movie is, and I love seeing that part in it and everything because I love mm. and like, like you said, it's a beautiful song on which she's singing, and I still get goosebumps from listening to that song every single time whenever I played that on my and own, also not and to mention like that goosebumps. character and a lot of the characters. The design is so good. The aliens are so well, like, even though it's a bit cheesy, it's yeah, I, I still like there's something so uniquely awesome about it, uh, especially the costume for the opera singer, the whole blue, uh, the skin and everything, and um, the look of it was so artistically well done, most definitely, man. Um, I love that, and I also like the part when. Uh, Coburn goes on ahead and shoots one of the aliens. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else he, want to negotiate? He, 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 he kind of brought Die Hard into sci-fi. Technically, it's the same character, but he's phoning it in <laughs> in a sense. But that phoning it in quality works so well in this movie because the character does not want to be on this fucking journey. Maybe a mm-hmm. bit like the actors, like, I'm doing this for money. So it fits perfectly. No. I don't know if it was intentional or not. But just something about the laid-back, I-don't-give-a-shit a attitude of Bruce Willis's character throughout the whole movie almost uh, is just a thing of beauty. Right. Mm. And then I liked it, too, whenever they pretended to be on their honeymoon. Mila Jogovich and that. <laughs> she goes, multi-pass. Yeah, she's very excited to be on the honeymoon. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Chris Tucker who's also trying to get laid oh, man. Yeah. with one of the flight attendants. Oh, such a classic, such a beautiful movie. It's, I, I'm probably going to watch it after. It's so uh, good. All right. Well, since uh, pretty much it's my number two, two I'm going to go with number one. I'm going to go boring on you, but I can't. I cannot not do it. Star Wars Episode Four. For me, it's, it's the, oh, nice. the creation nice. of the... Popcorn movie in space, the the what we have today in main cinema, a lot of it is owned to Star Wars. The, he, he created something completely new that shattered the, the the world of movies. And for me, a number one movie on the list has to have a huge impact. And when we talk about sci-fi, there's nothing that compares to Star Wars and what it did for sci-fi movies. Right. I, I, I actually agree with that because I'm a huge Star Wars fan myself. 
Mm. So I love hearing other people talk about Star Wars and everything and what it means to them. So for you to actually have that as your number one spot and everything, and I can't, I, I can't even remember the times I've seen that movie. Respect. It's not even funny. It, like it plays uh, at least twice a week in my house. Even when I sleep, I just put it on. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. It's such an iconic classic film, man. It's just fantastic. Um, for my number, oh for yeah, my number two. Oh I yeah, got that, that definitely Fury, is my top fifteen. <laughs> and what I loved about it was the fact that you don't have Tom Hardy playing a Mel Gibson impression. You have him playing mm-hmm. Mad Max the way that Tom Hardy needs to play Mad Max. And he came into his own as Mad Max. And then it's a retelling of a different story of Mad Max rather than a reboot mm-hmm. or a remake. It's just a continuation of a different story mm. within that universe. And mm. then I love the guitar with the guy on the guitar because I'm a huge metal fan. And to actually see that in the desert and the colors, the uh, you're talking about uh, cinematography. The cinematography in the desert is the most beautiful thing that you can actually see in the desert and then the uh, electric the guy on the guitar rocking out and with the flames on and everything else that's going on there yeah and it could be so cheesy with the guitars right but it's done in such a such a visceral way that it it almost feels like a tribal cry you know yes it's a, a metal a guy playing heavy metal on guitar but it's you know it's their war trumpets and it's it's really done in a way that it, it was really sensitive right. to that notion. Because if not, I could have really went very <clears throat> weird and awkward very fast. For me, uh, I think the standout moment that, no surprise, is Furiosa. Something so badass about that character and her motivations that really go around in the story. The why she does the things she does, for me, is such a beautiful, beautiful story writing. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Charlie Styrone did a damn good job with that film. You know, and I love the oh, fact yeah. that they're yeah. actually going to give her her own movie as well. So, and, and she's signed And, and the thing they didn't like she each did other. A really That's good weird. Job. And uh, <clears throat> right, and I, you know, hmm. for them not to like each other, the chemistry flew. But it served in a way because you know the characters I mean? didn't like but, each other. They didn't trust each yeah. other either. So even though there was, there was drama, I probably wasn't even welcomed right. uh, in a in a way because it, it kind of made it realistic. And when they were like arguing each other, you can almost feel like it came from a real place. And that's the beauty of this movie, you know. Uh, even though there's so many, you know, disputes and and. Uh, malfunctions and things that were not supposed to be uh, how it's supposed to be while shooting the movie for it to be that amazingly well put right. and badass movie is a testament to, to the direction and the whole crew that worked on it. Most definitely, man. That, Like I said, this movie I have on Blu-ray. I enjoy the hell out of it. I can watch this all the time. Um, my number one. This is gonna be coming as a little bit of a surprise because I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan. So, and 
this movie came as a surprise to me because I was actually seeing someone and they decided the girl I was dating decided to treat me mm. out to a movie. So I'm like, and she wanted to treat me out to Edge of Tomorrow. And the first thoughts that I might had is like, I'm hoping that I like this movie. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to tell this girl that I do not like. I did not like this movie because Tom Cruise always plays a Tom mm. role, Tom Cruise kind of role, but he always plays like the tough guy, the badass guy. And then all of a sudden, you see where the general tells him because don't forget he's also a character mm. that sells weapons to the military to take down these aliens that they're at war with, and. The general tells him, "You got to go to war." What? I got to go to war? No, 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 no. I just, do, I just sell the weapons. I do not want to be a part of the war. No, no, no. I'm like, okay, this guy's a pansy. This guy's a wimp. Okay, I'm sold now. Oh yeah. And then to see him repeat the same day over and over again in a ground, yeah, Groundhog's kind of way, sci-fi. Way yeah, that like same here. I was before. going to this movie like, okay, it's gonna I, be I one of those serious because it wasn't well marketed, right? So it'd be one of those serious. Uh, Tom Cruise usual makes right. no sense, but you have to accept what it is, and it's a popcorn movie. A couple minutes in, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, okay, okay. And it's when he started just dying over and over, it was funny, but for me, the one scene that he tries to roll over on the street and a truck squishes him, for me, like, for me to bust out uh, laughing <laughs> in a Tom Cruise movie, you got me because he never makes me laugh. I, I'm okay with him. But he never makes me laugh. In a, I never laugh right. in any one of his movies. So to do that to me, congratulations, you're on my list. You know? Same here as well, because mm. I'm expecting a tough action movie, Tom Cruise, I'm so serious type thing. And he just winds up dying over and over again. And then him making but a mistake. When they have to like pay off the emotional the and like this is like... Yeah make it a break the time you have no more repeats almost the end it was so enthralling because you you were in this really right. odd and funny and yet you know action-packed journey but you know it was the story about him learning from his mistakes and trying to be his better self but when he has no choice but to actually prove himself and this is the goal moment right. uh, made it feel even more powerful because he had such an interesting journey he wasn't already the hero the, the superstar, he had to earn it multiple times in the most right. funny, gruesome ways, you know? But he earned that status. And that is something that you rarely see in movies. Usually right. it just unlogically is granted by, you know, God, and now he's a badass, but 20 minutes ago he couldn't shoot a gun. Or, you know, it's like they're already badasses from the beginning. You have 30 years of FBI, Navy SEALs, or it's explained. But that kind of thing is so dull, right? So to have that evolution of a character is a gem to see. Right. Exactly. And then the 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 part that tore me up mm. and pulled on my heartstrings. Remember the part yeah. where the helicopter crashes and he realizes that he doesn't have any more chances? So your heart is actually breaking mm. because you don't know if this character is even gonna make this make it out of this thing alive. Oh, so he made me care about the I character had the biggest crush more, on especially with Emily Blunt in the film, too. Oh. So there's something so simply elegant <laughs> and badass at the same time. Now, now exactly. uh, that being said, I don't know if something we, you usually do, but um, 
I if there's one movie you recommend me from your list to to rewatch, even though I, I've I've seen it, but if this is your choice, your pick of uh, of the list for me to watch a uh, next movie, which one of your lists would you give it to me? Okay, I would like for you okay. to try out Ready Player One. one All right, more time. Uh, challenge accepted. And. Okay, and give me a challenge uh, as well for a movie two. that mm. I haven't seen that you would love for me to check out. Left or right? Okay. Equilibrium. Uh, let's go with left. It, it's um, it's okay. it was between That's actually the choice that I was hoping for. Equilibrium, just for the the pure mastery of of the overall okay. movie, and Children of Men for the pure emotional. But Equilibrium is so badass that I'm not disappointed for for you to be that movie to discover. Essentially, uh, is such an underrated movie. Um, I discovered it by chance, and it's not talked about enough. And I don't get why, because it's such a complete movie. Okay. And uh, next time when we talk and everything, I'll be able to tell you that I enjoy All right. it. Uh, and one little uh, a little known it, fact, so... uh, just to close out, if ever we're, we're done. Did you know Dark City actually used a lot of the sets from The Matrix? Yep. I was wondering about that. Yeah, but you know, it, it, the, it was shot in the same year. And I think, sure. if I'm not mistaken, not too far like The Lost, right? So they just transferred the buildings because they needed it. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh, I, I watched. That is something I, I didn't listened know to the commentaries multiple times on that movie, and I, so for you I listened to a lot of making ofs. Hmm. I love watching commentaries. Yeah, like same here. I, I, li- <laughs> I listened to Daredevil commentary. I don't know how many times. Clerks one commentary <laughs> way too many times. Ah. <laughs> oh. And there's not All the right. Well, like yeah, that uh, that <laughs> pretty much concludes, I guess. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it, man. Uh, like I said, I appreciate you being back on the show with me again. Yeah, course, uh, you, you can know, find me on Schmoozer North, either Facebook you. page and also our YouTube page. On Twitter, it's Norton Schmoes. If not, I'm going to be in bed because I'm tired. All right. All right. So, with that being said, guys, I hope you guys enjoy the show.